0: Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? Yeah, how many of you thought of Fat Albert? Yeah. <clears throat> Immediately. It's amazing, isn't it, what different things like that bring to your mind? Yeah, and then right after that, do you know what he said? And I'm going to sing a song for you, and it started a little opening number. Okay. I used to watch it. It was it was a good show. It was a good show. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, are y'all cold enough? Cold enough? Yeah. It is cold outside. <clears throat> um I have seen no white guys in shorts today. None at all. If if you're here in shorts, just raise your hand, because usually there's a white guy in shorts. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess I guess Colt is in shorts, aren't you? Yeah, he's he's, he's in shorts and um, he has on uh, culottes. I think not culottes. Um, that would be girls. He's not identifying. Um, he he is in what do you call them? Crots? Culottes? I think it's crots. He's in, and they're white, white with black socks. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I can't see him back there, but I, I yeah, it's crazy what you remember and then you can't remember like what I did yesterday. Like so, you have to like it's crazy what you remember and what you don't. Yeah. So anyway, we are <clears throat> sermon this morning is titled "Such a Little Thing." Title comes from The Lord of the Rings, and this is a picture from The Lord of the Rings. I I love Tolkien and I love The Lord of the Rings, and I, I've I've read. Almost everything that he has, I say almost because every now and then something pops up that I haven't read, but everything that's available I've read and I own a copy of it. So all the little stories on the side, I've got, I've got those that, that tie into it and all that kind of stuff and I've read it all. And this is a picture of Bornmere holding the one ring. Now, <clears throat> you may be familiar with the story, you may not be familiar with the story, but this is all you need to get from that picture. That one little thing caused wars, and conflict throughout that entire story. And in fact, it had had, uh, caused conflict for thousands and thousands of years in that fictitious world. And so such a little thing caused so much trouble. And with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Little things can cause big problems, um, such as ice in your pipes when it's 18 degrees outside. The pressure builds up, and then you have problems. The little ice can really cause problems as well. But none, that's I just thought of that, just sitting here thinking about my home and hoping that no f- pipes are frozen in the house. Yeah, because that's always a surprise when you get home and they've been frozen. That's a surprise. Yeah. What is he talking about? I have no idea. Okay, James chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> Here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So this is a, a passage about the tongue and the dangers of the tongue, and it seems to be very dangerous. Um, of course, we're, we're talking about communication, aren't we? Because the tongue is what we communicate with. And so communication... What I think is interesting about the word communication is its brother and sister is community and communion. All three of those words come from the same Greek word, which is koinomia. Communication is, of course, a uh, verb, and community and uh, communion, um, not so much. And that's your grammar lesson for today. So, so... uh, you can't have community unless you have communication, right? Like you can't really get to know someone unless you can communicate. And today we have all kinds of ways to communicate. We, we talk to each other. We text each other. We send each other emails. We video chat, which is an amazing thing. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy how we can communicate. But communication in this passage of scripture, there is a strong warning about it. Because communication, whereas it can create community, it can also break up community. It can break it up really quick. There are a couple of phrases here that are kind of shocking that uh, James says about the tongue. The first one is that the tongue ignites a fire from hell. That's quite the concept, isn't it? That your tongue has the ability to ignite dam- the damaging fires of hell into a situation. Your tongue has the ability to ignite a fire in your community, to be very destructive in your community, whether it's your house, or it's your job, or, or just a friendship down the road that, that is busted up, or politics. It, it has the ability to ignite a fire and be very destructive. That particular word for Gehenna, which is hell here, it was actually a place in Israel. It was a place. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't a hell because there is a hell. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there was a town called Gehenna. And in that town, all kinds of bad things happened to people. They sacrificed children. There was all kind of cultic activities. But what I think James is referring to here is in the city of Gehenna, um, they, if they didn't like you, they wouldn't hang you. They wouldn't shoot you. They wouldn't do anything like that. What they would do is they would light you on fire and throw you into a pit that was already burning. So that is the picture of hell. Cause one day, you're cast in, right? So, so in that city was people that they didn't like and they lit a fire and threw them into the pit and there was no return. What James is trying to get us to understand here is when we use our communication in a bad way, when we use our tongues in a bad way, in, in a negative way, it starts a fire and it causes destruction. It's like lighting somebody on fire and throwing them into a pit. It is not going to be positive in the end. So that's very strong, isn't it? The tongue, your tongue is very, very powerful. It also says that in verse 8 of chapter 3, it says it's full of deadly poison. So your, your words, when you say it to someone, can poison their day. You can change the direction of someone's good day by your words. Or you can support it and help them have a good day. One word, one one word that isn't isn't um, positive that it that is very negative, is a moment where you can change the outcome of somebody's existence for that particular day. You can bring them from a good day to a bad day, just like this with your words. Just a snap is all it takes. The tongue is that powerful. It takes longer to build somebody up than it does to tear them down. It just does. You can do that with a sentence, and you're done. But to build them up takes a little bit more work. So it's a deadly poison. It gets into the system, and people cannot forget the negative word that you say. Isn't it interesting that we can really forget the positive words really quickly, but it's the negative words that wake us up at night? It's because it's a poison. And then another thing is a restless evil. So the tongue is very dangerous. So at the very beginning of this message this morning, we just need to realize that the, the tongue is very dangerous. It's very bad. It, it is very destructive. So turn to your neighbor and say, your mouth will get you into trouble. Now turn to your neighbor and say, so will yours. Yeah, so will yours. So dangerous, so dangerous. Proverbs, though, um, because James is being so, it's like a, a big warning here. What we need to realize is there is a positive way that we can use our words as well. So Proverbs says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death in life, you have a choice in every conversation that you have, in everything that you say, to either bring death and the fires of hell into that particular situation or to bring life into a situation. To make the situation better rather than make it worse. You have the ability to do that. Now, how do we? How do we control it? Well, you have to be intentional. It is not something that's controlled if you're not intentional. In fact, if you're not intentional with your words, you are going to cause destruction in your life and in other people's lives as well. The person that says, I just say what's on my mind and I don't care how it's taken, is an idiot. You need to care how other people take your words. I'm glad that you just told me that you're a fire starter. I'm glad that you just told me that you're dangerous. I'm glad that you just told me that I better beware of you and maybe stay away from you because I don't want any fire started in my life. And I also see that you are going to have much difficulties and much of the difficulties that you have is because you do not have a filter. And if you're not intentional about what you say, your words will be just the same as the person that doesn't care. It will ignite a fire and hurt people and those fires burn and burn and burn and burn. In fact, I will tell you that a negative word will remind somebody that it existed 10, 20 years later after it was said. And, it, and it's, it's haunting, it's haunting. But to be intentional with your words takes work. It takes being aware of what you're about to say. It takes a filter before it comes out. And I'm not talking about a filter that waters it down. I'm talking about a filter that filters it through to tell it to the individual in the best way possible. That brings something different. That brings life to their situation rather than something else. So how do we do that? Well, James chapter 3, verses 3 through 9 kind of gives us a picture of this. it says this, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, um, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So James is given a picture here of of how we can control the tongue. And it's all outside really at this point. He's saying there's outside things that you can use to control your tongue so that you use it in a very positive way. Bits inside of your mouth, out outside of your, yourself. Um, so, so what are those kind of things? What are those kind of things that can help us say the right thing? Well, <clears throat> I'll give you a couple of examples. Of, of things that are outside that help me with what I say um, to people. One of them is named Nicole Brandt. Now, not so much when I'm talking to her, okay? Not so much. We work on that, we work on that. But when I talk to my children and I have to approach them about something that they've done wrong, Nicole is there and she tempers my words as I speak to them. Now, there's been a couple of times that she's pulled me aside and said, Philip, that was just a little bit too strong. And I went back and said, look, I didn't mean to be that strong. I'm just very concerned and kind of worked it out with them. That's happened several times. And I'll tell you this, I do the same thing to Nicole because Nicole sometimes doesn't say the right thing either because nobody's perfect. I'm not throwing her under the bus. It's just the thing. So I'm her outside bit to say, hey, I pull her aside, not in front of the kids, but pull her aside and say, look, I, I think you're a little... Little more upset than really you are. Maybe you should go back and kind of tone that down just a little bit, and she'll go back and she'll tone it down a little bit. We will not stand um, and it's and, and make an excuse for the truth. We won't back down from the truth, but there is a sense in which we didn't want to ignite the fire as we were handling something that would be beneficial for our children. Does that make sense? So so you you do you do temper. Your words, you you need to temper yours. You use something on the outside. Listen, circumstances. If you are not intentional with this, circumstances will always govern what you say. If you're not intentional, for instance, I've worked on this a long time, and I'm better at it today than I was a couple of years ago. But um, drivers irritate me. They they do. And when I get on the road, they they irritate me, and I try not to think about it. I'm playing praise music in the car. I'm trying not to think about the fact that they're going 13 miles under, you know, and I'm trying to get somewhere. But after a certain amount of time, the circumstance gets to fill up. Like, after circumstance, after circumstance, after circumstance, and you're trying to get on the interstate, and the person on the acceleration ramp lane is going 25 miles per hour while people are going 60 and 75 miles per hour and they think they can get over, you're in danger, they're in danger, and you're praying in that moment. And if it hits me at the wrong, wrong time, I will give instructions to the person in front of me that can't hear anything I say about where their right foot should be in this moment and the angle the right foot should be doing. Right? Yeah, I will, I will do that. I will do that. But it, it's just outside, we have to be careful that outside circumstances dictate what comes out of here. Does that make sense? There have been times over the last 16 years that I've been here that I've had, had to have some conversations with people that I really didn't want to have, but I had to have them anyway. And so every time that I've had those conversations, I will call one of the elders on the phone and ask him to sit in the room. Now, when I do that, I don't want the elder to know anything about the conversation that we're about to have. I want the elder to come in and hear it for the very first time. Because this is what I don't want to happen. I don't want to pull, have a meeting with somebody scheduled and pull an elder aside and say, Hey, this guy's coming in and he's done this, 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 and this, and we just need to be ready right for this. Right. And so we come in and instead of having a horse's bit in the room, not making fun of the elders, instead of having something that would govern our, our mouth, we have two people that are now against this person that's coming in. That is not the way that we do it. I figure out what I'm going to say. The person comes in and the elder sits and it tempers the conversation every single time. And we, and it, it is amazing how that works. There have been times that people have met with me and the elder was in the room and they were upset because the elder was in the room. I'm good with that because that means that they were about to say something that they couldn't say in front of one of our elders. And if they couldn't say it in front of our elders, they shouldn't be saying it to me or in front of God. So, it's a temperament sort of thing. It is a wisdom sort of thing. You have to have outside people to help you sometimes temper what you say to other people. This is why sometimes counseling is really good for a couple. It's not so much that the counselor is going to solve their issues, it's that they can talk about the issues in the room with that horse's bit in there. Are you tracking? so that it guides the conversation to be more cordial so that they can work some things out. Outside circumstances is what he's talking about, can't control that tongue, and we cannot control our tongue on our own. We have to have help. So outside controllers does this. Um, Yeah. So... uh, I know where I'm at now. Sorry. I'm at church, Farmington Baptist, 1835 Farmington Road. Thank you for asking. We have a scale in our bathroom. How many of you have scales in your bathroom you weigh? Do people like me? I weigh myself about every day. I do. Some people don't. They just don't want to know, right? Just don't want to know. Don't want to know. Well, we have a scale, and it looks like this. It's called the Health-O-Meter. I don't know why it's called that. It has never helped me with my health at all. It's never given me like dietary guidance. Nothing like that. But this is what it does. Uh, it has a, a uh, it records your weight. It has two little boxes, what I describe as boxes. It has a number one box where it records a weight. And then you can press it and go to number two and it'll record it there. So two different ways that you can record weight. Well, For the longest time, I couldn't remember which number was mine. So I would go and weigh, and Nicole the very next day would say, or the very next morning, Philip, quit using my number. Well, what number is yours? Mine is number two, you are number one, right? And so sometimes I got so confused, I did both numbers just to make sure. Now, I was covering mine because I thought I'd already messed up hers. So one of us should get something right, right? So you step on here, it records your thing. And what it also does is that if you go up, it will tell you that. And if you go down in weight, it will tell you that as well. However, this is a pessimistic negative um, instrument in my house, Because when I get on it and I've lost weight, it never tells me how much weight I've lost. But when I get on it and I've gained weight, it is quick to do the up arrow and tell me 1.8 pounds, 3 pounds. It's quick to tell me that. So it's so pessimistic, so degrading, so awful. So I talked to Nicole about this. And I said, Nicole, does this happen to you? Because I'm going to use this as an illustration on on Sunday morning. Just want to see if you have the same thing. Oh, no, it tells me when I lose weight. So obviously, it's female. <laughs> it is on her side, giving her encouragement. While you know, you know that sort of deal. just having a little fun there. But yeah, it's it's that. So here's a thought about this: There are some people that the only time they talk to you is when something is wrong. There are some people that only really have long conversations with their children when they've done something bad. All the other times the parents are really quiet about it. Say hi and whatever. But if something's wrong, it's a long conversation. It's a long conversation. And that is not the way to be. It's not the way to be. You should be having conversations with people that not only are like, yeah, of course, instructional. And yeah, you you need to get on to them. But are positive. That encourages them as well. People need both. And if you're sitting here this morning, and the only time you use your words for somebody is when they've done something wrong so that you can get on to them, you need to change that. But, Philip, you don't know my kid. They, they get out of bed, and it's wrong, right? They, they get in the kitchen, and they're always, it's very difficult for me to do that. You have got to figure out how to do that. And I don't know what they're doing But sometimes it might be better just to ignore that little thing that's uh, irritating you a little bit and just give them a positive word so that they hear that. This concept comes from uh, James chapter three and also another passage of scripture that we're gonna be at, at in a moment. But James chapter three, beginning with verse nine, and this is what it says. With it, our mouths, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That means you can do both. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So this picture right behind me is a picture of a fig tree and an olive tree is what that's a picture of. And when James wrote this, people immediately that he was talking to would think about something that Jesus taught in Scripture when he did the Sermon on the Mount because they were very familiar with it, and it was about a fig tree. So in Luke chapter 6, this is what James is referencing here, and it says this. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Now, the verse before that talks about a fig tree and and what it comes comes to. So, Jesus is saying, good treasure of his heart produces good. And uh, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. Okay. I know I messed that up a little bit, but you get the point. Good comes out, evil comes out. And here's the deal. You know the circumstances that come up in your life? They immediately connect with whatever is in your heart. If your heart is evil, you're gonna say something evil. If your heart is good, you're gonna say something beneficial. That's the difference. And so if you are creating fires because of circumstances in your life It's a heart problem, and you need to repent and let God make your heart new and good so that you can be beneficial in your reactions to your circumstances. So, use good words. Use good words. And that leads us to the next one. Your good words needs to fit the occasion. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. It says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, as it fits the occasion. As it fits the occasion. On April the 13th, I have the privilege of doing a wedding ceremony for Sam Harper and Audrey Miller. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. I've seen Audrey grow up in the church, you know, over the last couple of years. And, and Sam, we just accept him into the fellowship. I've known him about eight years. Yeah. He's, a, he's good friends with my son. So very excited about doing that. It's, it's really an honor to do it. But I was thinking about this occasion thing. And I thought, <clears throat> what if instead, because you know me, I like to be creative. What if instead of doing the normal vows, um, I treated the wedding as a funeral? Right, and so they come forward, and I would say something like this, ladies and gentlemen: We are gathered here today. Sam has lived a good, vibrant life. Audrey has had freedom until this moment, right here. (laughs) But they have left that life for a different life. What if I started, you know, something like that? Right? What What if I, what if I did that? That would not be appropriate for the occasion. Correct? It just wouldn't be appropriate. Now, some of you might be thinking, maybe, maybe that's not that bad, but no. Yeah, it wouldn't be appropriate for the occasion. You do something different. You do something like this, okay? Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today, right? And that's from the princess bride. That's what you do. Like, it's something about love. You know, love. Yeah, I can't yeah, I can't, can't, do it. just get too tickled about it. Yeah, love, you know. Yeah, so... So, yeah, you, you do something about love. You do something about that. It fits the occasion. And so what Ephesians 4 is saying is your words need to fit the occasion in a very beneficial, positive way. So what are the occasions? Well, I wrote down a couple. First, the occasion may be instruction. You may have to give somebody instruction. Like you might have a new, a new person that's at work and you're supposed to train them. And, and you need to train them because there's stuff that they don't know what to do. Or you might have a kid that's trying to figure out how to do something and you're instructing them how to swing the baseball, how to throw the baseball, how to, I don't know, milk the goats, whatever you might do. You might be instructing them. You need to use positive words as you're instructing them on what to do. Here's another occasion. The occasion may be cautionary. So cautionary means that sometimes in life we see that people have a habit that is going to lead to something very bad. You ever ever notice that in people? Am I the only one? Like, you're really concerned because they're going down the wrong road? And so you come up, and and you're very cautionary, and and you do it in a very beneficial way because you care about this. Now, they might not wind up over here, but at least you're talking to them about it. You're cautioning them against something. Like, son, maybe you shouldn't jump off the three-foot scaffold in this moment. You know, things like Maybe you shouldn't touch this stove. Maybe... That sort of thing, cautionary. The occasion may be of concern. You may have concerns, concerns about what's happening or, or whatever. And you might need to address concerns, and when you do that, you do it in a very beneficial way. The occasion might be conflict, and when you approach a conflict, you need to approach it in a very beneficial, healthy way, not in a, a revenge revenge way. You know, a lot of conflictive conversations is more about revenge than it is healing. A relationship, right? So instead of being vengeful, trying to get the upper hand, you do something else. The occasion may be celebration, right? Celebration. I found out from the first service because I asked them this question. On February the 3rd, this year, Carolina and Duke will play a basketball game. It is a week before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl does not matter as much as that basketball game. Think you. Right? Right? Doesn't matter as much as that basketball game. As soon as that game's over, there are going to be words of celebration and words of excuse. Every time, it was the refs right? That's what's going to happen. It was the refs. Well, they just did do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So words of celebration. So the occasion is celebratory and, and you use words of, of celebration. The occasion may be plans for the day. It might be work related. It, it might be romantic. There, there are times when, well, maybe you need to pause a moment and just have some romance or some night, some love talk between you and your, your, your spouse. For me, it's a wife. Your wife in the room, for you, it's a husband. And just talk about that. This is something that Nicole and I have to work on from time to time. You know, instead of talking about, you know, how was your day and, and kind of, you know, I love you and all that kind of stuff. It, sometimes it turns into this has happened at the church. This is what we need to do. This is what the kids are doing. Um, I did this today. And, you know, we're, we're sitting at a nice dinner at Firebird's, wasting it, talking about everybody else. Come on, right? Maybe the occasion is to say, hey, you look great today. What, what do you want to do tomorrow? And, and talk about each other rather than everybody else. Not that everybody else isn't important, but they're not as important as that moment. The occasion is we're together. And we are, are now together more than we have been in the past because there's no kids in the house. But it's amazing how you can be in the house but not be in the house together, Right, So so you, you take the occasion. The occasion may just be an occasion, just to talk about whatever, or just to joke around, or whatever. But you do what is appropriate to the occasion, and you use the right words. You build up. You give grace. You do not do what is rotten, or worthless, or corrupt. You build things up. You build people up. And this leads us to the next verse, which is this one. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 10:19. I have a very close friend of mine who recently admitted that when he rambles, he gets in trouble. Right? Have you ever rambled and got yourself in trouble? I have. Have you ever had a situation that was going really well, but you said one more thing that you should have just kept your stinking mouth shut? I have had that happen to me. Like you're, you're just, everything's going great. It's, it's getting together. I mean, we're, we're doing well, but man, we ramble. This verse says, don't quit rambling. Say as few words as possible to get the relationship repaired and hopefully toward restoration. Say as few words as possible. This is a great word of wisdom, not only just in life in general with people, but in marriage. We tend to want to say a lot of words to kind of true, prove our point. Maybe we just need to back up a little bit and say fewer words and think about those words before they come out of our lips. So, so fewer, be slow to speak is what James will say in um, James chapter 1, verse 19. Slow to speak. How many of you? How many of you are familiar with Neosporin? I'm, I'm, Neosporin. It's not a, it's not a sports thing. It's a, yeah. I love Neosporin. I love it. I love Neosporin. If and and here lately, my hands. I've been like cutting my hands for some reason. I don't know how. Not on purpose. I'm not a cutter. But. But, but, like, on, like I'll, I'll stick my hands. The other day, I stuck my hands in, inside my gloves, and somehow or another, I cut my hand inside my glove, or I cut it before I put it in the glove. I'm not really sure what happens, but I'm cutting my hands, so I'm constantly putting Band-Aids on, on my hand. And what I do is I put a little bit of Neosporin on the Band-Aid and then stick the Band-Aid on. And I do it every time I change out the Band-Aid because I do not want an infection, I don't want an infection. Now, there is a school of thought that says you only need to put Neosporin on the wound one time. Leave it alone, right? And then you put, you know, other, you know, you can put your Band-Aids on or whatever because you're killing the good stuff. Okay. I'm not a part of that train of thought. I like Neosporin. In fact, I get the type that has the painkiller in it. So the wound starts hurting a little bit. I will put Neosporin on the wound to make it feel better and then put the Band-Aid on it and I feel a lot better. I am a Neosporin addict. (laughs) I'm going to have to go to counseling to get rid of this drug that I'm putting on the skin, right? Yes, for it at it, right? It is just so good, but, but it is just nice. It's nice to have some type of something that you put on it that, that helps the womb out and makes it feel better, and, and you feel better, and it, it, it's just a lot better. It takes the pain away. This is why I bring this up. Your words should be healing words to the people that you are talking to. There are a lot of wounded people in the world, A lot of wounded people. And the last thing that they need is somebody with a match and nighting a fire to blow things up. That's the last thing they need. What they need is some healing words, some words of encouragement. It's not that you back down from the occasion. It's not that you, um, like, water down truth. That's not what I'm saying. But people need to be encouraged. People need healing words. And so Proverbs tells us to do this. And it's pretty Impactive, I think, how this is put. And this is what it says. It says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. Wow. Our words should help heal situations, not cause more destruction. Our word, words should help move a situation to a better day rather than causing it to go to a more destructive day. Our words matter. And it takes a lot of healing words to offset negative words. It takes a lot of healing words to help a bad situation. But it only takes one negative word, one harsh word, let me put it that way, to get rid of all the positive words that you have said in the past. Do speak healing words. And that leads us to the final verse, and it says this. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. In every situation you're in, pray and ask God to help your conversation be attractive and gracious so that you have an appropriate response to whatever is going on. I'm gonna end with this. Up until this point, we've been talking about your words and other people and what you say to other people. But I'm afraid that there's people in this room that are bound or they are, have been taken captive by their own words that they tell themselves. See, the tongue, the tongue isn't just something that damages other people. The tongue and the words that you use also can damage you on the inside. So you can tell yourself lies over and over again, and it ignites the fire and causes destruction inside yourself. You can tell yourself you're not worth enough, you're not worth anything, you're not good enough. You, You know, you can tell yourself a bunch of lies. And My concern is that there's a lot of people that constantly tell themselves lies over and over again, and it lowers their self-esteem and all they are is lies. And every time you tell yourself those lies, it's igniting a damaging fire on the inside. And God wants you to have freedom from that. And instead of saying damaging words, you need to say positive words to yourself. So instead of saying, "Um, I'm worthless, you say, that's a lie because I'm worth something to Jesus. When you say, I'm, I'm not valuable, you say, that's a lie because Jesus thinks I'm valuable. He died and rose again for me. When we think that, that nobody cares about us, we say that that's a lie because I know that there's people, people that care. And even if they didn't, Jesus cares for me. But be careful with it, even if they didn't, because that can feed back into your lie. People love you. It's not everybody that's against you. People, people love you. Let me share with you one that I I told myself for, for years and years and years. I told myself over and over again that eventually those people that are my friends now will leave me. Like, the relationships, has started well. I'm having a great time with this relationship. But in the back of my mind, I was telling myself, this is not for the long haul. Eventually, these people are going to find something not to like about me, and they are going to leave me. They're going to leave me in the dust. They're, they're, this is not going to last. And this affected my marriage. I began to think that Nicole eventually would leave me, would leave me. Am I saying leave? Yeah. yeah. Would eventually leave me. And I kept telling myself over and over again, yeah, this is good right now, but man, she's gonna figure something out and there's gonna be something that she doesn't like and she's gonna be off in the wind and then I'm just gonna be alone. I went as far as to start thinking about how life would be once she leaves me. Not that I was gonna leave her, but that if she, and so I started thinking through, okay, this is what would happen. This is how we could do this. And I had to stop myself because it was absolutely driving me me crazy. And I had to come to a point where I said, that is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. She's going to stay with me. And yes, there are times that people do leave you that are your friends, but that's also a part of life as well, isn't it? It's not a personal thing because they've left. It's it's situations in life that causes people to move here and there, and, and you can't keep in touch with them as much anymore. And and you know, it it just it's not because of your self worth. So I had to tell myself quit telling yourself they're going to eventually leave. It is hindering your community with them. And you may be telling yourself a lie of another nature constantly telling yourself that you're, you're, you're not good enough, you're, you're, nobody really likes you, um, you have to be something that you don't want to be, it's not really you, and you keep telling yourself these lies, and I'm here to tell you this morning, you've got to quit, you've got to quit allowing the tongue to ignite a fire inside of you that is destructive. Put the fire out and grab a hold of the truth that you are a very valuable person created uniquely in this world to invest in other people. You are valuable. You're valuable. Very valuable. So don't let your words destroy you on the inside. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lesson today. And first I want to pray for the person in the room or the people in the room that have trouble with what they say. They allow their circumstances to dictate what they say. They allow the evil that's in their heart to dictate what they say. And this morning they want freedom from that. So Father, I ask that in this moment that they'll pray to you. That They'll ask you to reveal the evil in their heart so that they can repent, repent of it so that you can wash their heart clean and make it good again, so that they can be beneficial and have beneficial things to say to the people around them. Father, I lift up the person in the room that's telling themselves lies over and over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'm not. Nobody likes me. I'm so alone that in this moment that you'll reveal to them that those are lies and that they are valuable. by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'll lift that out of their lives so that they can have freedom from it. So we love you and we know that you'll answer these requests and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.